going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Gabe. And today we're talking about a record that both Gabe and I are actually pretty equally hyped on. Gabe, why don't you intro in who we're talking about today? Absolutely. Today we are going to be talking about the new Whitechapel album entitled Kin. Uh, this album came out on October 29th on Metal Blade Records. And uh, who is Whitechapel, you might ask? Whitechapel is going to be Phil Bozeman on vocals, Ben Savage on lead guitar, Alex Wade on rhythm guitar, Zach Householder on third guitar, Gabe Crisp on bass, and Alex Rudinger on drums. Matt, why don't you go ahead and hit me with that uh, with that first impressions? You bet. Dude, I wasn't ready for the feels fest. Yeah, so much feels. There, was, there really was. And like... As we've talked about here on the podcast, as I did come in with some doubts with the record, but those were very quickly washed away once I actually got into the actual listening of the record. Um, what were your first thoughts? This album definitely had to grow on me. Um, mm-hmm. I went into this album expecting a Whitechapel album, but instead I got something different. Yeah. And ultimately, while I ended up liking the album, I didn't like it for the same reasons that I would normally like a Whitechapel album. Mm-hmm. This one, it just it checked a bunch of different boxes that I wasn't really expecting to want Mm -hmm. but i ended up really wanting them and it it really fulfilled that yeah and i think that's a really good way to jump right into the musical review and i mean you you started really hitting it but this is without a doubt a major departure from the Whitechapel that we've known really for the last 15 years i think the best way to describe it is it's tool but if they decided to do death course stuff is there's a lot of that kind of proggy, uh, but still very radio-friendly rock music. Uh, but they also come in with those sludgy, really heavy guitars that we've known. Uh, Phil continues to be an absolute monster in regards to deathcore vocalist. But he's also really starting to show off his clean vocals mm-hmm. a lot more. And that takes really center stage on this record, I think. I think that's probably the biggest kind of thing on the record honestly yeah absolutely and the the album as a whole just felt really tight with each other it never felt like any one instrument overtook the others Mm -hmm. um the mix was just on point i cannot praise that highly enough and overall like the instruments had just a very storytelling feature to itself like Mm -hmm. i feel like this even without phil's vocals clean or not uh, over top i feel like the music could itself just tell a story yeah and just as an instrumental album i believe phil's vocals and lyrics add just another layer to that obviously but Mm -hmm. i feel like that was a really interesting thing that i wasn't expecting going into this record yeah and i think kind of along that same line is because everything seemed to tie in so well is and we'll we'll dig into this once we get into the lyrical review, but it it really helped take the story that was being told, and it just kind of helped cr- really create the atmosphere. And it it almost felt like it was that backstory was being told along with the actual story itself. So you mm-hmm. kind of understood the the feeling at the time, and it, it just really helped everything tie together. For sure. Um, another thing to note musically is um, the drums on this album were really notable. Uh, instead of really just always establishing a groove like Whitechapel normally has done, it mm-hmm. feels like they're really being more used to texture the songs, it, almost like a guitar would. Yeah. And instead of just laying a straight beat all the time, and I thought that I thought that that was a really cool uh, feature, I guess. Yeah. 
It was kind it, of a nuance, really, it, to the yeah, record. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There, there was a lot more feeling within the drums themselves rather than it just always being laying down the beat, throw some double bass here. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. We have a fill here while nothing's going on. It really felt like it was being added as a, a layer in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really cool feature. And then as we mentioned before, Phil's clean singing has just exponentially grown since we heard it on The Valley, which is the really big notable clean singing that mm-hmm. he's done. He did a little bit on whatever that Mark of the Blade. Yeah, yeah cuz that was I don't respect that album anyway, but <laughs> What was the name of that song? Uh, something Home. Bring Me Home? Yeah, that's Yeah. The um, let's jump in right into the lyrical review. Um, so kind of coming into this is Phil actually did a little bit of stuff before. He did a uh, lyrical breakdown actually right after Lost Boy came out. And then oh, nice. he actually did a co-reaction with Cardivox Academy on YouTube. He's actually a vocal coach out here in Arizona. That's really cool. Um, and what it was is he sat down with Mark and they talked about Blood Soak Symphony. And Mark had kind of pitched the question like, you know, I'm coming into this completely blind. Is there anything that you really want to preface to kind of explain what's going on? And Phil... And I'm going to kind of paraphrase, so if for whatever reason any of the Whitechapel members hear this, and if I if I misstate something or if I paraphrase it incorrectly, um, you know, I'm, I'm going solely off of memory here. But Phil kind of explains that this record is a sort of fictional take on non-fictional events. This is a follow-up to The Valley um, in regards to the narrative, where The Valley's talking kind of from Phil's perspective as a child. This is essentially like teenage Phil, and he's kind of talking about the this kind of evil version of himself and uh, this kind of battle between him and uh, actual Phil as well as this kind of evil version of himself. Um, Blood Soak Symphony is this idea that the evil version of himself is trying to bring his parents back from the dead, um, who he, he lost both of his parents. I believe he was some, I believe between about the ages of eight and 12. Um, mm-hmm. I believe if I remember the story correctly, his father died of a heart attack and then his mom died uh, uh, OD on cocaine. Um, there was a lot. There's a lot of baggage that um, to unpack, and you actually get to hear some of that in the valley. So I definitely recommend listening to that. But it's again that fictional take on these non-fictional events, and I think the way that he explains everything here in the in the stories is there's these little lines and callbacks to the valley he was saying um you know the departure of the from the valley so him not being in that place anymore but his evil self trying to kind of drag him back and i i think it was just a really good story and kind of providing this other perspective that we you don't really see a lot in music is you kind of just hear it directly from the perspective of the individual directly, you don't really see it from a, another version of their perspective. So I thought that was kind of a cool little touch. So just a little bit of background. That is really cool. Um, yeah, Matt's probably going to be sprinkling a little bit more in here in that Whitechapel is notably one of Matt's favorite bands. So mm-hmm. he'll be a little bit more taking point on this one than I am. But uh, yeah, I kind of have the same notes 
as far as the lyrical content, like it felt like it was just a lyrical continuation of the events that happened in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other main thing that I really noted here is just he's continuing to extend the chapel verse that is his really depressing upbringing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's kind of interesting to see the the shift from Chapel's first three albums to their next three albums to now what is in the next three albums because mm-hmm. like those first three, Somatic Defilement, This Is Exile, uh, Darkest Day, Man, or New, new, era era of new era of corruption yeah it is a lot more violent and angry and then we kind of go into this almost identity crisis uh, yeah. era of Whitechapel, where we have the self-titled the self-titled which is like a lot more depressing than we have uh the our endless war, our endless war yep. thank you kept thinking this means war and that's not it no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a petra album uh but uh, our endless war, which is a lot more politically motivated, which mm-hmm. is kind of a weird uh, shift for them, and then we go into Mark of the Blade, which was disrespectful, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we come on here where it's really a lot more of Phil's personal narrative. Whereas in most bands, we oftentimes see more personal songs come out in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it shifts to more generic stuff. Yeah. Whereas with Whitechapel, it's actually kind of been the opposite, and I think that's kind of an interesting thing to note. I don't know what it means, but it's interesting. <laughs> it is. And I think Phil, I don't know if I'm he's... I'm sure a lot of it has to do with him coming to terms with what happened. And I, I, mean, I think that's what it is. He, he's like, what, in his mid-30s or so? Yeah, I think so. He's like, I want to say 36-ish. Yeah, and so he's been doing Whitechapel since, effectively, he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And with that, like, you don't really process a lot of that stuff until you begin getting older and Mm -hmm. especially in a band where you're kind of just constantly on the go on the go on the go and you don't have a real solid footing underneath you necessarily then that just kind of extends that further so that may be the case here Mm -hmm. and that it's finally all that deferment is really coming up and that's what we saw in the valley and it's what made the valley so successful right and now what we're seeing in kin which i don't really know where we're at on the uh the success meter on Kin yet mm-hmm. since this is day two of it being released. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's really all I got there. No, you're good. And the other thing is as you were actually kind of going back and talking about their old material, looking back at it is as far back as uh, our endless war was really where we started getting this kind of personal narrative from Phil. Um, and the, the reason I say that is Diggs road. Mm-hmm. is that that's actually the name of the street that a lot of the uh, the events that happened in Phil's life, that's where it all happened. So it was kind of a... I, I feel like it was really planting the seed for what was coming, and it, really I don't think any of us knew that that was going to end up being the case. But no, it, it's, a co- it's a really cool <laughs> little thing. And then um, they just had to make that pit stop off of Mark of the Blade. God, I hate that album so much. That <laughs> It had a couple good songs and that's it exactly it had mark of the blade which is kind of catchy it mm-hmm. had uh elitist ones elitist ones like was those are the only two songs other than no way home just because i remember hating that song so much those are the only two songs i can remember off that record really yeah okay <laughs> uh before we jump into the track by track on this one we wanted to go ahead and jump into the album artwork on this one here in gold letters at the top we have the album title and slightly smaller font below we have the band's name which uh, is the same font that was used in the valley, which honestly, I really like that font. That font's clean. It, it's I like super that a clean. Lot. And I feel like it really represents them well for the direction that they've gone, mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of like the more metal, uh, edgy kind of looking stuff yeah. that they had had prior, prior to. 
Uh, then from there, we have a dot-like digital representation of what appears to be two aliens facing each other. And based off of your information that you gave me, I feel like that would be like the evil self and real self kind of mm -hmm. facing each other. But the lines are so difficult to tell which is which kind of yeah. thing. And I think that was kind of a might have been what they were going for. I thought it was kind of cool. And it just feels like a very prog looking album cover. Mm -hmm. So you want to know who did the art for this one? Who did the art for this one? Ben Savage's wife. Oh, good for her. So um, She killed it. Yeah, she did a really good job. Um, I Thankfully, I'm on Instagram enough, and I actually follow, I think, every member of the band. And, I'd expect um, you to. <laughs> ben Savage had actually posted and kind of talked about um, his wife, Julian, who did the artwork. And you, you really hit exactly what I was um, thinking here is you look at the two faces and they look so much the same that it looks like it's supposed to be the same person. It really seems to represent that idea of, you know, the essentially good Phil and evil Phil kind of kind of duking it out. So I think it was just a perfect representation of what really to expect from the record. But it was so simple and um you know if you if you'd had no prior kind of understanding of what's coming with this record or what the narrative behind it is is it's just a couple aliens and it's it it, it looks just like a simplistic album cover yeah but there there's just that additional story that i thought was really cool for sure and then also there just something else to note there's uh, another version of it floating around i know it's on a shirt i don't know if it's like on an extended edition or a special edition vinyl or anything like that mm -hmm. but it kind of has the same concept except it has an eye in the middle uh of it and it has the two heads facing a lot closer in red kind of more in a circular format I'll show you that. Oh, that. that's actually really cool. It looks okay. super cool, and like I would totally want that. Yeah, I, I, I like both album art covers. I like this one better just because mm -hmm. of how much tie-in there is to the valley. Yeah, no, and I, I think especially because it's such a, it's not a sequel, but it's essentially it's a, a continuation. Sequel. Yeah, it, it's it's just continuing the story mm -hmm. at that point. And, and I think because it's. It, it's really leaning in on that, but it's the accuracy of it is so well, strong. I guess the best way to put it would be like um, Captain America 2 and Avengers. Yeah. Captain America 2 isn't really a sequel to the Avengers, but it's a continuation of the story. Right, right. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. So now we're going to jump into the track-by-track -track breakdown, and we're going to jump right into I Will Find You. <laughs> I, I was really expecting you to say, we're going to jump right into the track-by-track -track breakdown, and we're going to break, break down it track-by-track. <laughs> Honestly, after you gave me a hard time the first time, I've intentionally made sure if I'm in going into the track-by-track track breakdown to just short and sweet. Good. <laughs> it's probably best. Um, I will find you. What are you thinking? This track found me, man. <laughs> this track is everything you need to hear to know what to expect from this album. Like mm -hmm. it, it's not going to be your typical chapel record, but it blends their new beauty and the heavy chugs we expect to hear and takes the direction of the valley and pushes it even further. Like I, I love this song. Yeah. This was a fantastic opener to the album. So when I first, when I first started listening to this record, the, that beginning part where it was just, just the guitars is mm -hmm. I listened to it. It hits the heavy part. I paused the record and started it over. <laughs> I was a minute in, dog. It gave me, it kind of gave me like uh, memories of when Trivium did In Waves. They had, uh, it was a, I forget the name of the, that they gave the track, but it was before Built to Fall, which was like one of the big singles off of that, mm -hmm. off of In Waves. 
and it kind of gave me those similar vibes where it was kind of like this 12 string kind of pushing things forward almost mm-hmm. uneasy feeling but it's still pretty melodic and then it goes into to built to fall built to fall is not nearly as heavy but it, it just kind of the correlation there it kind of really gave me those vibes and they use a lot of instrumental breaks in this album to really kind of help set the stage for what's happening and it breaks up the album extremely well right. and i feel like this is a good way to to st- to put the first book in on the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing is when I first started listening to it and especially hearing the that slower kind of build for the opening and then the the sudden break into the really heavy stuff is I was expecting a I don't want to say a carbon copy but very much like a, a new uh almost updated version of like when a demon defiles a witch. Yeah. I was way wrong. I it was definitely you, not as heavy and it wasn't as fast as when a demon defiles a witch, but it definitely had some similar elements. But I think it, it, it follows all, the same formula in terms of like how the song structure is exactly. And I think that it also shows that you know the band is they're not going to go and just do the same thing twice. They're like we're going to do something similar, but we're going to do it in this now more matured version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was actually a really cool touch, really solid song to start it off. Feeds right into the first single off the album, Lost Boy. This song slaps. This song took me a while to get into. Same. Um, it, it, it From when it first came out to now, like my view on this song has shifted almost 180. Yeah, I I'm in a very similar position and this was this was really where the the concern started to to build for the record. Um the more I listened to it the more it grew on me, but once the record came out and I got to listen to the song in the context of the record, yep, is that's really where that where that doubt was just thrown thrown to the wayside. Um I gotta call out the that instrumental break where everything just chills mm-hmm. out and Phil's cleans come in. I'm just, uh... yeah, it, it, it was it was super good. This one it was really hard for me to get into for a while there because it was so busy. Yeah, uh, musically speaking, but I feel like the more I listened to it, the more I was just able to un- unpack the like almost prog nature of the riffs that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the song really opened up. And like I said, like that that slow down bridge into that cool low part before jumping into the chaos. It's got the second solo on the album. Your boy likes solos. Yep. So your boy is happy. <laughs> and and that I, and kind of talking about kind of the busyness of the record is after listening to the the record in its entirety after you know now having everything available is it's not really that busy of a record mm-hmm. like we were originally anticipating because this felt almost as though Whitechapel was trying to to fuse the old kind of like somatic defilement, this is exile, new era of corruption, but with that valley sound is that's where we started really kind of getting that clash. But I think after now having the context of everything else and being able to kind of see how everything molded together is I think that's where mm-hmm. we you know, finally got to see that. And it's, even then it's it also just kind of like little touches of mm-hmm. those previous records, because really since the self-titled record, we've seen this departure from kind of just that standard era, 2008 MySpace yeah. deathcore stuff and really more into like these heavy, almost genty kind of chugs and they, mm-hmm. they really kind of blend the two genres um so 
I feel like it's more just kind of like pushing the boundaries of what the Valley began. Yeah. And I think they, even back in the self-titled is that's where we really got to see them start going into less of the, the death core, but it was like more of the groovy sound. So like a little bit more of the groove metal. And then over time they just kind of incorporated that more. And then there was that prog element in there that it just kind of snowballed into really what white chapels become now mm-hmm. absolutely uh, then from there we move on into a blood-soaked symphony which was going to be single number two on the record matt why don't you go ahead and kick this one off this came in heavy boys <laughs> this one was really probably the most classic chapel feeling song but it still has those elements to show that it's not the same white chapel that we knew really 10 years ago um mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic song and it's i i, I want to make sure to call this out this is one of three songs on the record that phil exclusively screams on which is a really weird sentence to say about a white chapel <laughs> record um you and i actually made the comment before we came on and started recording but dog that sludgy breakdown mm-hmm. and we i have to give that a call out because mm, yeah like the, the whole song is just this really sludgy slow slow burn of a song um it has a lot of references to the experiences that phil wrote about in the valley including callbacks to brimstone and third depth uh and like you said the, interestingly enough that this is one of the only ones where he doesn't sing at all mm-hmm. yeah and this is the um to provide a little bit of, if I hadn't kind of brought this up during the lyrical review, is the story behind this record, or I'm sorry, not this record, this song specifically, is uh, Phil's evil self has bas- is basically trying to complete a ritual that actually brings, uh, to bring his parents back to life. Uh, but they're, they've come back as really like zombies and that this ends up actually telling telling that really well and it's so happy halloween yeah really (laughs) (laughs) this this song it definitely has that really just uneasy feeling throughout it and especially in that breakdown is it kind of adds that just almost icky feeling to to kind of really add into that story so that's really just the instrumentals continuing to show that they're able to help push the the narrative that mm-hmm. the lyrics are telling and really build that atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, then we jump into track number four, which is among the weirder tracks on the album. We jump into Anti-Cure. I love this song. I love it too. It's, it's so, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and like when it started, I was expecting it to be similar to I Will Find You, but it was slower and it, it wasn't it didn't quite I I can't think of it it was just good. Hickory Creek from the Valley was kind of honestly one of the only times that I ever expected Whitechapel to write a ballad. Mm-hmm. They wrote one again. Yep. <laughs> yes, they did. Like it, it, very much this song is honestly just kind of a ballad and lyrically it just feels like it's an internal battle between the narrator and the I, I am now knowing this that it's Phil and Evil Phil. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the best way to put it. That's it's a, a spy probably, versus yeah. spy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it feels like it's just the the personal battle there in between sanity and madness. And I feel like that's kind of like what evil Phil represents is just that madness, mm-hmm. which Phil has made reference to prior to in the past. Um, 
Yeah. The it, it, this is one of the longer songs on the record too at 5 minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, no, and this this is definitely the song that you see that Whitechapel is basically very clearly stating this is not going to be the same Whitechapel record that you have gotten before. Yeah. They they paint that extremely clearly. And it, it's just a fantastic example of the band showing that they can do something new while still having those little nods to the older stuff. And they, they really do that through the entirety of this record is they they just include that little bit of the classic stuff. So that way it's like, OK, it, it's still Whitechapel, but it's a completely new entity mm-hmm. that, you know, we the really the the work has been kind of laid out. But it's just now it it coming into fruition. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> then we jump into track five. The ones that made us. This song slaps. Favorite <laughs> song of the record. This one takes number two for me. Okay, I'm I'm curious to see what your number mm-hmm. one is. But again, th- so this is number two of three. That's exclusively screaming vocals by Phil. Again, it's it it feels like that classic. Um, you know that classic white chapel again with the the now new sound but it's it's sludgy mm-hmm. it's it's sludgy it's heavy it's not the the fastest song that they've ever put out but it's got enough speed and heaviness to it that it's just like ooh so one of the things that always drew me to to Phil's vocal styles as I was growing up as a young vocalist was just his vocal phrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, he always had this just kind of like unique way about it, how he would kind of like almost rap in a deathcore style. Yep. Uh, and, and he does that. He showcases that really well here. Um, j- just for example, like with previous stuff, um, Breeding Violence is usually the one that I go to immediately for mm-hmm. to like show off his vocal capability. Yeah. And uh, it, it, this song really has a lot of that kind of same feel to it. The whole song has this like galloping kind of feel when he's doing his screams, mm-hmm. and I really like it. It's yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a really cool song. Yeah, and so to tie into the, the rapping part is um, Phil actually talked about that on Cardavox Academy with Mark, and he said that rap's been a really big influence on him vocally. So he actually. <laughs> With the way that he phrases, and I didn't realize it until he actually pointed it out and he kind of provided an example, but rappers and, and well, certain rappers will, in their phrasing, is they'll do rhymes within the same phrase. Mm-hmm. So Phil is actually kind of intentionally at, gone and do, done this kind of weird phrasing where he'll intentionally rhyme stuff together. And the it ends up coming out in this really unique, really interesting way. But it, it's just that in-depth look into kind of the way that those guys have done it. And he's brought that influence into his own sound, I thought was a nice little touch. Th- that is really interesting. I actually never really would have expected that mm-hmm. rap would be a big influence on his vocal style. I feel like there was obviously some. Yeah. But I never expected that to be a big, so that, a big influence. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. Uh, then from there, did you have anything further? No, I'm good. Cool. Uh, then from there, we go into History is Silent, and this song is all the feels. This is a really dope offering by the band. I mean, the verses are the clean vocals and clean guitars. Choruses are Phil's nasty mid-screams and the distortion put on. 
the vast contrasts here work really well in what's honestly best described as probably a reverse metalcore composition. Um, there's no solos or breakdowns in this one either. Um, so for those who may not be familiar, a pretty standard metalcore composition is screaming verse, clean chorus, screaming verse, clean chorus, probably a breakdown, and then a chorus, and then probably another breakdown. Just rip the breakdowns and solos out and flip what's be what's done in the clean vocal and mm -hmm. screaming, and that's really what this is. And it's it's dope. Yeah, th th this one lyrically feels like it's tackling instead of tackling suicidal thoughts, it's really just tackling the the desire to just not exist any further. Mm -hmm. um, instead of like the actual act of taking one's life, it's it's really. I guess I should issue a trigger warning with this, mm -hmm. but um. Uh, instead of the act of taking one's life, it really is just more along the lines of just ceasing to exist. Yeah. And I feel like that's a topic that's not really addressed very often. It's an issue that I personally dealt with in my past where it's never been, I, I have a desire to, to take my life, but I don't want to be here anymore. Kind yeah. Of thing. And so I feel like that's something that's not really touched on in music a lot. And it really is uh, more of a focus on uh, the actual act of suicide. Um, this one here, it's it's a sleeper on the record in terms of quality. Like, it's not the most catchy, it's not the most intricate, but it just hits different. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely I really like does. this song. Then we'll jump into my favorite song, To the Wolves. Ooh. Hit me with all the praise, sir. Yeah, so another one of the heaviest songs on the record. Uh, this one just straight out the gate just lays waste to the track. The, mm -hmm. the song is definitely up there for my top song and, and and as i'm reading this i'm just like nah this is my favorite at this point <laughs> <laughs> um we have another really low break in the middle and then it just finishes out in a more ballady kind of style than the thrashy nature of the rest of the song it's got two solos so your boy is happy <laughs> for sure <laughs> and uh it just it finishes out really heavy before dropping into this atmospheric break and then we uh slide into the next song yeah are you feeling on this one this one i mean it, it's song number three of the exclusive screaming it's this track sick the cool thing about this one that we really don't get the rest of the record is we get to a little bit of phil's lower range in mm -hmm. his screaming so we get to hear him he doesn't quite get into the full guttural like a lot of people know him for but you you start to hear him kind of drop everything so it, it adds that little bit of extra just darkness really mm -hmm, to exactly. it um it's that classic tinged deathcore track um you know underneath that the band brings and phil phil puts that delivery on it and it's just it's solid absolutely it is i, I love this song yeah no i, I it, like it, when i first listened through the album it was the first one that really like stood out to me just because when when I listen to an album, I'm usually listening to it without paying attention to it at first, mm -hmm. just to see what does jump out at me. Like yeah. obviously, I'm I'm listening to the record so I can enjoy it, but I'm not intentionally listening like I would do when I'm writing up my notes for an album. Yeah, and so just on on first listen as I'm doing my work, this one just jumped out right away for me. Okay. I think of the singles that did come out, I think this one's my favorite, and that's going to be the next song, Orphan. Really? Out of the three singles, I think this one takes the cake. Really, this song closest resembles, if we're referencing Whitechapel's previous work, it's a blend of Hickory Creek and Third Depth, mm -hmm. but it doesn't give this song justice. We we continue that kind of ballady composition style, but Phil 
really gets to show off a lot more of his clean range. Uh, ben solo in this is absolutely wonderful. And the instrumentation has this really strong tool vibe all the way through, but in a weird way, it's almost everything even there is toned way down. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really the best thing I can say is just listen to the song and you'll, you can kind of hear a, a kind of how kind of what I'm explaining, but it, it's definitely worth just listening to itself. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, this one really showcases the improvement on Phil's voice mm -hmm. better than I would say any of the other tracks. Yeah. Not that any of the other tracks are, are a poor vocal showing by any means, but uh, this one really just kind of like shows it off the most, kind of like Hickory Creek did. Well, and I, I think the, the part of that is, is he's not just doing that kind of almost head voice. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, he, he's, he's actually really going exploring. in. Yeah. So he's getting to do, to do these different techniques. So it's not just the same kind of kind of somber vocal, but he, it's a little. It, it starts broadening open a mm -hmm. little bit. Absolutely. Um, another thing about this track and a lot of the um, softer parts in this record is it reminds me a lot of um, Demon Hunter's softer stuff. Okay. So like things like Thorns, uh, My Heart Shrinks Come Undone, it's, it's stuff like that where it's. Not Demon Hunter's heavy stuff, mm -hmm. but they still have like this really cool, neat melody that goes along with them, and and, and that's what Demon or that's what Whitechapel's really doing here as well. It's not like a, a pound for pound remake by any means, but the it feels like the similar influences are there. Yeah, no, I can I can agree with that. Yeah, it's a beautiful song from beginning to end. I love it. Yeah. Now this next song is probably the shortest song on the record. It's called it's "Without not probably, You." It definitely is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like thirty seconds. <laughs> oh gee, I didn't realize it was that short. Yeah, it, this one is just a brief instrumental bridge, uh, bridging "Orphan" and "Without Us." Mm -hmm. It's completely acoustic. It's got this really beautiful feel to it before just going into the utter disgusting chugging that follows. Yeah, and honestly, the only uh, the only other thing I really have on it is. There, it, it kind of sets up this somewhat eerie atmosphere, mm -hmm. um, and it, it's very much just an interlude. And then, without us, happens. <laughs> Ooh, we get the sludge back, boys. Yeah, there, there is. It is nasty. It's how it's it first solid. Um, I mean, we get the intro and the choruses. Is we get that really sludgy guitar. And then the the verses brings us back to what we're seeing a lot on the record, which is just everything toned down. We get the clean guitars, and then Phil really just serenading us, dog. Yeah. This one's similar to Blood Soak Symphony in terms of the instrumentals on it, mm -hmm. uh, where it's just this very slow burn, heavy feel to it. It's a really simple song. Like it, It's heavy dissonant chugs with light lead lines over the top, heavy parts, and on the lower parts, it's just a simple beat. And clean guitars backing feels clean singing yep uh it, it feels like this song gets lost to me when i'm listening to the album but in isolation like it's a really good song yeah so the, there are aspects of the song i really like it's overall just kind of not my cup of tea um it's still my cup of tea i just feel like it, it's one of those things where like hey there's gonna be a low point on all the records yeah and, and that's I feel like they were able to offset that with uh without you Mm -hmm. uh, with that just kind of being a small instrumental track and kind of breaking it up. I feel like they did a really good job of trying to prevent that issue, but I feel mm -hmm. like that's just kind of one of those things that's just going to happen into an album regardless thereof. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the other thing too is sometimes I kept... And I don't know if it's just I wasn't paying enough attention when I was listening, but I didn't realize I had actually listened to Without You. I kind of actually thought that that interlude was actually 
in the front actually mm. attached to without us as the same song yeah so i i, I had kind of pictured the sense. entire thing um but i mean it it was a decent interlude this song's decent again it's the low point of a, a solid record this next song the first time i listened to i almost cried the last track kin i literally sat there and i was like i'm about to turn into a blubbering mess this song is just uh, <sighs> it's so good i think it's my least favorite song on the record I'm going to come over this table, dog. I'm about to come over and just fight you. <sighs> it's not a bad song. Let me, let me let me be clear here, okay? It, it's not a bad song by any means. Just in correlation with the rest of the album. Choose your next words carefully. And with it being Whitechapel, it's just it's not my favorite. Something's got to be at the bottom of a really good record, and unfortunately, this one just happens to be it. That's where you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the first half of the song is, again, more of Phil singing over the the really clean, very, um, I don't want to say low and slow, and that but somber also doesn't feel right, but it's really a continuation of a lot of what we've seen throughout the entirety of the record, and it cuts into this absolutely wonderful solo by ben savage yeah, it's, it's a great solo because you know what it's not a bad song it's just not my favorite <laughs> <laughs> mm. anyways but I, the one thing actually as i was listening to that solo is i felt like it was the most raw of the solos that were on this record is it it almost felt like there were parts of it that ben was intentionally playing it sloppy like there there were it wasn't it wasn't just this perfect solo mm -hmm. it was actually kind of, it, it felt like there was mistakes being it. yeah exactly um and then the harmonizing that was in that solo as well last chorus phil picks it up a bit vocally um i wasn't it kind of sounded off to me like i i appreciate phil very much like expanding and showing off his different vocal capabilities, but it just something felt a little off about it. And I think that was a little bit off putting, but like, I mean, like I said, this, I, I really like this as a bookend for the record and it, it kind of still feels like everything is still being tied off and, and closed properly. And that's going to do it for, for track by track <laughs> breakdown. I, I, I'd like to talk about it. <laughs> no <laughs> because you're not gonna talk trash about this song anymore i'm not talking trash about it dear god you said it's your least favorite therefore <laughs> yeah pretty much that's what i gotta say <laughs> all right that's gonna yeah. wrap it up <laughs> i swear if you say something I'm going to flip this table over. See, that's going to do it for a track-by-track track breakdown. <laughs> what we like to do here now is we like to give the uh, the record our tentacle rating on a scale of one to eight tentacles. So, uh, Matt, on a scale of one to eight slippery sloppery tentacles, where are you at? I'm sitting at a 6.5. Si seven. Commit. Commit, you heathen. No. <laughs> So this isn't seven, a 16 level ranking. This is an eight <laughs> level ranking. <laughs> See, seven feels a little bit too high. And 
I think it's because I want to really dig into this even further that I, I don't want to fully go any higher than I'm already at. But a six doesn't feel like it's giving the record justice for the what they've actually brought forward to us. It doesn't quite hit the same level that the Valley does, at least for being a Whitechapel record. It doesn't take the the place as my new favorite, but I think it's still a really strong offering from the band, and it's it just gives me something now to listen to even further and just dig into more and just kind of hear hear the story of the Valley just being continued and just kind of really understand what phil's life's been man yeah absolutely uh see i'm not a a flip floppy slippery sloppery fish (laughs) so i'm gonna give this album a seven out of eight all right because i thought this album was actually really good i i was extremely surprised with how much i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. based off based off of the singles and what i was expecting after the valley um this one caught me by surprise in how it was delivered Mm -hmm. and i feel like it still shook things up in such a way that it showed the normal progression of a band. It showed the evolution of Whitechapel. And yeah, I, I, I do fully intend on returning to this record. Yeah. I, and I do as well. And I think it's an organic evolution. It does nothing mm-hmm. on this record feels forced. Like the groundwork's already been laid for it, everything. It's not up like they went point. from this is exile, which is arguably their most popular album mm-hmm. in, in just Whitechapel lore. Yeah. Um, it's not like they went from this is exile to the Valley or to kin. It, it, it was a slow progression where we saw them doing just the 2008 MySpace Deathcore stuff and then slowly build into the more genty stuff as we saw in the self-titled and in uh, our endless war. And then we, we see the progression into softer stuff with the disrespectful album and then <laughs> i really hate that album i can tell and then we we see them actually do what they were beginning to move towards we see them do it right with the valley and mm-hmm. this is just that continuation of the valley and so i don't feel like anybody should the, 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 this album should come as no surprise to anybody right but i feel like it still is new and fresh enough for people to be able to explore and expand on the enjoyment that they had from white chapel prior to yeah Absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up for our breakdown of Whitechapel's new record titled Kin. And next, what we like to do is the hidden track where we talk about something in the world of music, maybe not particularly tied to this record. uh, But again, just something in the realm of music. Gabe, what do you got for us today? My man, this... It's been a good week for music. There's been, it has a, been a lot good week dropping, for music. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, uh, for this episode, the Hellbent EP by Impending Doom. Ooh, okay. Uh, so I, I heard, there was a, a song that was released called Satanic Panic uh, that was released uh, a few weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And this is the first new Impending Doom that we've heard since 2018. And before that was 2013. Wow. So it, it, it's... The, the desire for Impending Doom has grown a lot mm-hmm. because I, I really love this band. This is one of like my first like super heavy bands that I got into as a kid. Okay. Uh, with, uh, I think it was specifically Baptized in Filth was the album that really got me into them. Okay. And uh, yeah, it this this album just, or th- th- this EP just slaps. It is disgusting. It is everything angry and brutal and just sonically disgusting that I hope for from Impending Doom. 
And I hope this is a sign that they're going to be like back in a more permanent basis mm-hmm. because Brooke Reeves is one of the guys who really told me that not 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 like physically told me, but like just kind of spoke to me internally and said, "This is the kind of music that I want to do. This is the kind of vocal style that I want to do." Yeah, and those kind of things. And so from it's five tracks total: Satanic Panic, New World Horror, Culture of Death, Hellbent, and I Must End. And each one of these tracks is just devastating and i love it okay go check it out (laughs) yeah that no that that sounds like a good time i i was uh in uh impending doom for a little while and then i think it was just one of the songs i heard just sounded really cheesy and i was like this is dumb um (laughs) what do you got for us this week so i've got two tracks that i wanted to talk about the first one i'm not really gonna spend too much time on because it was really just icky um (laughs) crown the empire dropped a new song called dancing with the dead and crown the empire it they're just doing heavy they're it's pretty much just they're just heavy i mean there's not really much to say about it it's just not interesting Mm -hmm. um which i think is pretty par for the course for crown the empire i found them to pretty under be pretty underwhelming the only song that's really impressed me by them was their cover of payphone um, and actually talking to Gabe at the time, I told him about it and he's like, yeah, he, they did a cover of burn by Ellie Golding. And I was like, Oh, I'll go check that out. Got about a minute in. I was like, this is trash. And I turned it off. So, um, I hate crown the empire. I'm just going to put that out there. I hate them with every fiber of my being. I think it's just a terrible band. I, I, <laughs> I have to sit there and agree. And the only thing that's good that they've done is pay phone. And, I, uh, I that's going to be what that starts. Even, that's going to, that's probably what's going to start our Twitter V. But, uh, on the other, it's just going to get us canceled. People for some reason love crown the empire and I don't understand I it. I don't get it either. <laughs> but the other thing track I wanted to talk about, about today was the new track by Enterprise Earth Reanimate slash Disintegrate. Mm. Oh, this was hot. I they like came me in some Enterprise Earth. I was expecting it to pretty much be that just bludgeoning deathcore, which is pretty par for the course for Enterprise Earth. But I kind of saw it was reminiscent a little bit of like. Um, Dead Rose by Chelsea Grin, where mm. it was deathcore, but it had this very metalcore element to it. And it, I was very surprised and really, really into the song. There was a lot of really cool um, just guitar pieces in the song that just added that little bit of something. And I mean, they they put a they put a sick breakdown in there, so of course it's gonna be a good song. <laughs> um, definitely excited to dig into Enterprise Earth a lot more, especially after hearing that and just kind of see where they were before. Um, my exposure to them's pretty limited, but I I know the name and I'm at least familiar with somewhat what they do, so I'm into it. They do some nasty stuff. I love them a lot. Mm. I, I've seen them a few times before in the past. Uh, I love me he some doesn't, that nasty, the, the, nasty. Their, their singer does not look like he should be able to produce those sounds. No, he doesn't. It, it's kind of like the Ryan Kirby syndrome. Yeah. Where it's just, he's, he's a really tiny dude. And like, even smaller than Ryan Kirby is. Like, it, it, it's almost, I almost didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, oh, he, he did the thing. Well, and then like, I don't know what it is with short people because it's like Phil Bozeman. Who's it's just all little man syndrome. It, it's all li- <laughs> like little men make nasty sounds. I guess that's just what happens. We, we, also, we come from this. I, I'm six foot four. Max, you were what, six, six foot three? one, six two. Six two. Yeah. 
So we're, we're both tall individuals. Um, I don't know. If we're not getting canceled for Crown the Empire, we're getting canceled for making fun of short people, I guess. I don't know. That's going to do it for us today, guys. So we do really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We also appreciate it if you like, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Music, on uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, whatever. Podbean. Yeah, Podbean. There, there, there's 101 different places that you can listen to us now because, I don't know, somehow I managed to do it on accident. And so now you can listen to us. Yay. Yay. Uh, we also do appreciate it if you would go and uh, find us on our social medias. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. And we're on Instagram. And uh, we might make a Twitter. I don't know. I still haven't fully decided on that yet so we can start beef with people. Yeah. And we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We'll rebrand maybe. I don't know. The, the fighting <laughs> octopus. Yeah. <laughs> I still laugh about that bit from our eyes. But uh, yeah, that, that's going to do it for us today. So we appreciate you taking the time. And we will see you later. Catch you in the next one. Oh,